Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 92 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Andrew Glazebrook to take a look at the end reveal of both the original Fly and the 1986 remake. Call 44, standard pursuit, please respond. MFP to Gosling 1. Hello, Andrew. Hi, you're okay? I, take two, this is, isn't it? People yeah. aren't going to hear this, but yeah, this is take two. Yes, I'm okay, thank you very much. And uh, we're going to be talking about our flies tonight, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yes, now, so the first one, the original fly, 1958. Um, yeah. I know you weren't around for it, so what's your history with this film? When did you see it? What do you know of it? Oh, it'll have probably just been uh, BBC Two showing sometime in the 1970s, no doubt. Um, I was kind of under the impression that this film was actually in black and white, I think, when I was a kid. I think I'd probably only ever seen black and white stills of it. It's very funny you should say that. I was just reading yesterday, a lot of people are convinced that this film was a black and white film, and it was yeah. never, ever, ever shown in black and white. And it, it just seems to be people's memories cheating. And I think a lot of the time is, you know, whenever you saw stills from this film, it was a black and white still. So maybe that's what the problem is. Yeah, I had that. Uh, I can't remember whether it was um, like a horror sci-fi kind of hardback book um, and that had several stills and they were always black and white nice, you know, studio stills um, uh, black and white ones but uh, maybe they maybe even seen it like on a black and white portable at the time, you know I maybe mm. s seen it, you know, in, in my room or whatever and just assumed it was black and white I'm, I don't think I've ever seen both of, there's two sequels as well. So with both of those in colour as well, or was one of those in black and white? I've only ever seen the original. I haven't seen the sequels at all. Same as the Fly Two. I, I haven't seen the sequel to the Cronenberg film either. I see. Now I like that. I, I like the Fly Two. I think it's a, a great movie. Um, there's, there's lots of lots going for the sequel to the Cronenberg one. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of sort of see it along the same sort of lines as things like Poltergeist Two, where it kind of with the right little bit of extra tweaking, it could have been a great movie. But as it is, it's kind of like just a good movie, mm. you know. But there's there's still great bits in there, and because uh, uh, the sequel f uh, was directed by Chris Wallace, wasn't it? That's or right. Willas, yeah. who, uh, who obviously did the effects for this. So you mm. know, he um, he did kind of carry on from um, the same sort of background as this, and improved upon I mean I, I will say improved upon the look of the fly because I did actually prefer the creature in the second movie um, okay had, yeah so but anyway we'll we'll talk about the, uh, the the golden oldie first yeah what I thought we would do we would do like a double bill it's like you know when you used to go to the pictures and you'd see a double bill so if we talk about the first one first and we'll, mm, yeah. we'll treat it like we've got two two episodes of effectively speaking tonight so this is the first one 1958 the original uh, The Fly. 
uh, unlike you, I, I, yes, I grew up looking at photos in in my books, but I didn't see it until it must have been the eighties or nineties. By the time um, I finally got round to watching it, um, mm. what do you think of it as a film in itself? Uh, it's enjoyable. It's a very unusually structured film, isn't it? Because it's sort of um, the the way it starts off. It's like a detective story in a way. It, it hasn't got the like the normal structure for what you'd class as this sort of movie. Um, it's odd that it's it's a flashback, basically. Yeah, isn't it? we see yeah. we see the end of the film first, where yeah. you know you you've got this uh, um, Helena or Helene. Detective. Yeah, and yeah, she she admits that she's just killed her husband. Yeah. Um, in that uh, in, in that press, is it a printing press? Yeah, yeah, it's like some some kind of either metal press or printing press, isn't it? I think it's maybe maybe possibly metal. Something, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, got, it's obviously got a lot of force to it if it can crush. It some... certainly has because, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it starts off, you know, at that printing press, and you know, the the security guard comes in and sees her there, and uh, her dead husband is in the printing press, and you've actually yeah. got quite, it's quite gruesome actually. You've got yeah. red blood. Um, down there and you see his you know prone body to the side it's obvious that he's you know got his uh upper section in there and yeah. she she freely admits uh to to killing him but says that it was his last dying wish that she that that she should do so isn't it yeah 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 and over the course of the film we we because we go to that ho- horrible wibble wobble um, flashback <laughs> yeah. special effect, which you can't watch now. You know, it, it's been lampooned so many times now that when they actually do it legitimately, it just raises a laugh now, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she she tells the story in flashback, and over the course of this film, we find out, yeah, that her husband, uh, Andre, uh, who I didn't believe for one second, because by the time I finally got round to watching this, of course, it's David Hedison, isn't it? Yeah, credit is Al, Al Hedison for some reason, isn't it? Yes, yeah, he he did. When he started out, he was Al to begin with, then changed yeah. to David. But, you know, for me, I don't know if for you, but for an awful lot of people, he's the bloke off a voyage to the bottom of the sea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, when he turned up in, I think it, is it the first Roger Moore? Oh, no, it's not. It's um, Timothy Dalton. He's Felix Leiter, isn't he? In, um, yeah, in, uh, in Living Daylights. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, it's the bloke yeah. off a voyage to the bottom of the sea. I can't think of him in anything else. Yeah. Yeah, but it, yeah, as I say, she's telling the story in flashback, and we find out that Andre, her husband, he's been working on this uh, teleport project. Hmm. And um, and things were going well, but then, you know, things start going wrong. He's being teleported with a fly and uh, and starts wearing this black cloth over his head. And uh, and keeping his hand in his pocket, yeah. and uh, and communicating by writing, and basically saying, "You've got to find this fly. I've been teleported with a fly, and you've got to find this fly." Doesn't yeah, the... it? Yeah, this white white-headed fly. The uh, as he calls it. I like in the film. You know, they keep talking about this white-headed fly, and you know, uh, Philippe, their their son. Um, says, "Oh, I've seen this strange fly. It's a white mm. fly, and everything." And but you never see the fly until the very, very end, do you? Yeah, yeah, right, at the very end of the movie. And yeah, it's and it's, and it's, it's and Andre's brother, isn't it? Um, Vincent Price. Vincent Price. Oh, yeah. Francois. Yeah. Yeah, Francois. That's him. Yeah. 
he's he's kind of come down sort of to kind of find out what went on sort of thing yeah and yeah um Helene, she tells Philip, you know, you must find him, go and catch him, you know, and yep. this, is, this happens all the way through the film, and all the way through the film, you know, uh, Andre, they becomes more and more desperate, um, and uh, eventually he goes into a pod to try and uh, rid himself of it, mm. and uh, when he comes out of the pod, that's when she takes the, the cloth off, and yeah. we get to see the final version of uh, this half of the fly and yeah. um i guess they were going for a kind of like you know uh 1925 phantom of the opera shock reveal yeah uh and then we get the, very they get, they effective get... in that film yeah but here, and we get the point of view of the fly with a kind of compound yeah guys, well you don't see we, of her you screaming. see his face first don't you yeah, yeah you see yeah. the fly head which is essentially it's a mask Mm. Um, with rather colourful eyes. I quite like the old uh, jittery, uh, moving little proboscis thing that he's yeah. got for a mouth. Yeah, yeah that's and, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that, then we get this, like, you know, uh, fly-eye lens affair of multiple Helens, don't we? You have a screaming. Yes, uh, yeah, and she screams and she faints. And uh, um, when she comes round, the fly is taking him over uh, more and more. And uh, he he basically begs her to yeah. to kill him, and that's when they go off to this this printing press plant thing. Mm. And it is quite gruesome. I I didn't look into it to see what certificate this was when it first came out. Um, knowing how films of the fifties are, I'm sure it was an X. Yeah, um, I imagine, uh, I'm not too sure. I do recall an interview with David Cronenberg seeing seeing that he'd seen it when he was a kid. So, oh, but in America, oh yeah, in America, I suppose, yeah, I suppose parent, it was you know. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's quite methodical, isn't it? It's um, you know the way that he he he, he quite uh, you, you know uh, routinely almost you know lays his head on the plant thing, and then she lowers it and crushes it, and then she raises it, moves his fly arm yeah. over into it, and then crushes that as well. You know, it's yeah. all quite gruesome stuff. Yeah, and it's only a sort of, what, 85, 90-minute movie, isn't it? It's quite short. It's, it's one nothing... hour 33, I saw when I was watching it. It's one hour 33, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and that's when the uh, flashback ends and, um, you know, uh, the inspector mm. who's been listening to this story with old Vincent Price there um, says, you know, he'll do anything he can to help her and he goes out and he says to Vincent Price, nah, she's yeah. a loony, yeah. basically. Um and uh, he doesn't believe her, and um, and he says, "Well, you know, if you don't want me to lock her up, uh, the only proof you've got is this white-headed fly." Mm. And uh, yeah, and that's you know, cut to the next day. The police come to take her away, and uh, Philippe comes in and talks to Vincent Price there, doesn't he? And he quite nonchalantly says that, "Oh, I've I've seen the fly again." Yeah. And uh, Vincent Price is like, "Well, where have you seen it? Oh, it's in the web outside. A spider's just about to eat it." And at that point, that's when Vincent Price runs up the stairs to get the inspector. Why can't he go out, you know, and save his, uh, you know, his brother from the yeah. uh, from the web straight away? Hmm. Hmm. And it's proved like one of the most memorable. See, I mean, it's one of them sequences. I suppose nowadays it looks a little bit kind of corny, but I think back then it probably would have been quite horrific. 
I mean, looking at it, the uh, the compositing of the shots isn't too good. No. Um, where you have, yes, you have got this, um, uh, well, it's David Hedison, basically, isn't it? Um, it's his head yeah. and his arm on a fly being menaced by a spider. And the, composi- the compositing of the shots, not that good. The spiders, not that good. Um no. And it's the voice. I think that's if if you show this to an audience now, it's the "help me, help me" voice. Yeah, it, it's just too high pitched and shrill. They've made that mistake of you know, if you're small, your 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 voice must be shrill. Yeah, to denote tininess. And uh, yeah, it it looking at it now with modern eyes, it's a bit silly. It's a it's a horrific thing, um, but the execution is a bit silly, don't you think? Yeah. It... <laughs> It's, like you said, of its time, isn't it, I suppose? I mean, mm. I don't like to sort of say these, these things have dated because, you know, everything dates in terms of when it was made, but it's of the time that that, that type of film was getting made, let's say. Um, mm. You know, a little bit more, but, you know, it, it's it's weird as well because it doesn't necessarily look that much like David Hedison because he's kind of like white-faced, isn't it? It's and he's kind got of like a bald cap on or something. Like, like a bald cap, yeah. It's not just like it's David Hedison's head on a on a fly, is it? It's it's kind of quite weird-looking. You know, it could have pretty much been anybody, I think. I don't yeah. think he'd have actually had to have use him. I'm sure if I was a kid so, uh, and, and watched this when I was little, I'm sure this would have... Uh, disturbed me and maybe it did disturb you know a 1950s audience um, yeah. but we've seen so much and we've grown up with so many other things now yeah yeah it, it, now it, it is a bit silly um yeah. but uh yeah i mean that's the end of the film because that's when the inspector gets a whacking great big rock <laughs> yeah and splat goes uh david hedison mm. but i was just thinking then you know when I said, you know, Vincent Price goes up and gets the inspector rather than going out and saving uh, David Hedison, um, supposing he did do that, right, what are you going to do with him? Mm. Because is he going to dictate how yeah. to make another teleport booth or what? Yeah. You know, you've yeah. just got this tiny little fly with a man's head on it. What do you yeah, do Yeah, his, his body's been squashed anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. So that's out. You can't, you can't yeah. reverse it. Yes. The one yeah. thing, the one thing I do remember about this is I think David Cronenberg said in an interview about this whole thing of uh, at the cinema. I had this poster sort of saying that if you cannot, if you can prove that these events couldn't happen, sort of thing, you know, you you get so much money. And I think he'd sort of said to the cinema usher or whatever, you know, well, how come like you know it isn't just like a like a tiny, tiny little fly's head on a man's body and a massive man's head on the fly's body. And I think he basically said something along the lines of, like, uh, F off, kid, sort of thing. <laughs> you know. 
but that 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 I, I that's what I like about this era of you know genre filmmaking is you did yeah. have outrageous claims about you know yeah. win this do that you know yeah yeah it's that whole <laughs> kind yeah. of what, what, that's what I like about the film matinee you know the Joe Dante one because uh, mm. the John Goodman character is very much in that mold isn't he yeah of uh, yeah. you know that the, the mant thing you know the mant is obviously a spoof of the fly yeah um, you know that that's a great sort of film within a film. Um, that, that was a very loving film, that was, wasn't it? It was like yeah. a love letter to these type of films. Oh, definitely, yes. yeah. I mean, it really was. And, you know, he, again, he was making bold claims about, you know, you know, if you die of a heart attack and things like that during this movie. and <laughs> You know, they had all that kind of thing going on back then. Because they, were trying, to draw, the they were trying to draw people in, weren't they, you know? They were. Do you remember <clears> the Tingler as well, where they yeah. would electrocute people? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Great fun. Yeah, but yeah. That, that, that's kind of like what that type of movie was trying to do at the time, and um, yeah, definitely trying to draw people in, because I suppose TV was kind of becoming more popular at this point, mm. so they yeah. were needing to kind of use, definitely. Definitely. use the gimmicks yeah. to get people in. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I do like it. Um, it. It is a little bit silly to see... You know David Hedison going around, you know, with this cloth on his head. It now it just reminds me of uh, Blackadder, that episode where um, Blackadder um, to disguise oh. himself that he's not the guy that they he's actually accidentally yeah. executed That's goes right. around with a sack on his head. You know? Yeah, then, then they find out he's he's missing an arm as well or something. Yeah, and he's got a speech impediment. Think, he? He actually... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so, so... Try, trying to find out which arm. <laughs> All right, so um, that's that's our sequence on the first one over. So let's talk about um, the making of this first one. Uh, the script was by a guy by the name of James Clavell. Okay, right, yep. um, and uh, it's based on a short story yeah. by George Langlan, I think it is. And the first script that old James did uh, was more faithful. Um, to the story, but Fox didn't like it because in the original story, Helena commits suicide, um, uh, but they wanted a happier ending. Happier ending, I guess, being that she survives, but her husband gets squashed by a rock. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Michael Rene was offered the David Hedison role, okay? Okay. Uh, yeah, but he declined it because his head would be covered through most of the picture. And that is a good point. A good old David Hedison, you know, I mean, there is a bit at the beginning where you see, you know, him, you know, and they go out to the theatre and stuff like that. But yeah, for the most part, he is either under a cloth or he's got that mask on, hasn't he? Yeah. Was this one of these short stories? Because quite a few of these short stories of these movies back then tended to be sort of like the type of thing that Playboy magazine would run. Um, there was there was certainly um, you know another couple of horrors um, that were made in the movies uh, based on short stories. I remember you know the the sort of first sort of were published in Playboy magazine mm. uh, with the money being short. I don't know whether it this might still have been. been one, it might have but been. Uh, yeah, I mean the the budget on this was something ludicrous. Like these days, sort of like three hundred twenty thousand mm. dollars, you know. And it I think it took about three or four million at the box office in America, which seems nothing these days but i suppose it was big money back then it was big money and it spawned two sequels as you said yeah. didn't it yeah. yeah yeah i've definitely seen one of the sequels i think it might be the return of the fly but i think then it was followed was it the son of the fly or the curse of the fly wasn't it return of the fly 
The second one was Return, but I think the third one was either Son of, of the, the Fly, Fly or the Curse of the Fly. No, I think it's Curse of the Fly. Curse of the Fly. I'm sure it's right. Curse of the Fly. Yeah. Yeah. I do know that the director of this actually passed away not long after he'd finished making it, so he never kind of seen the success. Okay. Uh, Kurt, Kurt okay. Newman, uh, they called him, and um, yeah, I read somewhere that he'd. Uh, I, mean, I don't know whether it was days after the film was released or possibly weeks, but uh, yeah, they said he never sort oh, okay. of seen okay. how successful it was. All right. Uh, okay. Well, it, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fairly sure if uh, I'll have to have a look at this, but I'm I'm fairly sure this is one of the the ones that was kind of definitely published in Playboy magazine. It was about three or four. I, I don't know whether even like the uh, the Who Goes There, which was the one that based the thing on, wasn't one of the ones that was published in Playboy as no, well. No, I don't think that was Playboy. I think that was one of those um, the the science fiction anthology magazines. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was in one of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, special effects wise, it seems like there was a guy by the name of James B. Gordon who who did the visual effects, although he, he went uncredited on the film. But according to right. IMDB, he's the guy. I thought makeup did it. effects was by Quam, sorry. Well what, what what would you say it is? Would you say the mask back in fifty eight, the mask is is that makeup or is that visual effects? I don't know because there's a guy called Ben Nye who's like a very famous makeup artist who's listed for makeup. But I don't know whether that would it just be kind of David Hedison in the web, or whether that would then be the mask as well. Because I suppose the mask is more of a prop, isn't it? Yes. Uh, so I don't think Ben Nye would have probably made the actual fly head. Mm. Uh, that might be more of a sort of a, an art department thing. I don't think it's this James uh, B. Gordon because I looked a bit into James B. Gordon. There's not too much on him because every time you Google him, you time, seem to get uh, um, American Civil War people. Right, okay. seems to have been a famous one. But what I did find of him is that he he worked on uh, Journey to the Centre of the Earth, you know, uh, the James Mason version, the Irwin Allen Lost World, Right. It's a mad, 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 mad world, the great race and the airport. But in each of those, he was down on special photographic effects. So I'm thinking this James B. Gordon maybe did the fly view yeah, image. Yeah. Maybe that's what he, he, he's and, down for. And there was some kind of optical effects when the device is working, isn't it? Kind of like it yes. glowing and stuff like yeah. that. So yeah, maybe he did that as they, well. They, they I, were probably I, the optical effects he did yeah, as I, well. Yeah, I'm thinking he's optical more than uh, physical, practical special effects yeah I know that yeah. David Hedison was never too keen on the actual final look of the, the makeup I think you know the actual fly itself no, uh, no. I do I, and like I, I, sorry well, after you Andrew I do, I do know in the sequel as well I think that certainly in one of them I've seen pictures where the head's massive yeah you know, as in really bloody big you know it's like whoa what's going on there and I do like that one I, the, the, that's the problem I have with this one is yeah the 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 head is basically a mask, you know. The the the, the head is in proportion almost, and you've got these beautiful glowing, you know, yeah. twinkly eyes. Whereas, mm. yeah, in the sequel, it's a much more bulbous head, and that's more, you know, of a horror look, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they've took it that one step further, but yeah, um, it's certainly his son in one of them. It must be the second one, probably Return of the Fly. I know it's his son. Who I think sort of decides to. It must be his son from this when he's grown up decides to, you know, experiment as Have well. Go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the last thing I've got on this on behind the scenes is that yes, when you see David Hedison at the very end, as we say, you know, it's this composite shot of a uh, 
a uh, a fake spider, David Hedison in a in a, a shower cap, um, added optically to a uh, a fly body. But on set when they were filming this, um, to give you know Vincent Price and Herbert Marshall something to uh, to act to, they created a very small animatronic figure. And it had a moving head and arm, okay? Right. So that they could actually act to it. But they couldn't act to it because apparently um, there were so many takes on it. Because each time they looked at it, you know, they just burst out laughing. Right. So, you know, so <laughs> it took a lot of time to get that shot done. Because I'd love to see it. I haven't been able to find it. I want to see what this little prop that you know, yeah. caused so much mirth looked like. I think the uh, the set for the laboratories, well, I'm sure in one of the books I've got, I remember, I can't remember whether it was like, possibly like army surplus equipment or oh, really? well, that something the that, down. That, that, that they kind of managed to get their hands on to sort of, you know, dress the set. So I still think it was quite an expensive set, but, you know, they did manage to get sort of, I suppose, legit stuff, if you want to call it yeah, that. Yeah, uh, no, no, yeah. It's all right. It's all right. It's just a bit silly yeah uh for me what do you think of it for a rating what this sequence yeah. uh what would you think of for it andrew are we talking about the whole film here just that specific no, just the sequence from the, the cloth reveal. from the cloth coming off to uh the splat with the rock what would you give it it's probably like something like um, a five and a half for me right yeah Okay, well, I thought it was very average, and very average means five. Yeah. So uh, that's a 5.25. Right, right, okay. All right? Yeah. So that was 1958. Now we're going to fast forward yep. to 1986. Now, you were a grown-up by then. You were getting your Fangorias. You were yep. getting your uh, all your magazines. So you knew this film was coming out, didn't you? Yeah. And I see, you know, the the sort of... The main image I think I remember seeing was obviously of the pod. You know, mm. that was kind of like the, the sort of what was on the poster as well. Yeah. Sort of the very unique looking pod with the kind of glow and the arm and stuff sticking out. You know, so. Um, but I think I probably did have the main look of the creature spoiled by various magazines like Fangoria. Um, yeah. I certainly knew what it looked like before I went in. Um, mm. You know, the, fi- the final creature. I mean, there'd been plenty of pictures of Goldblum in his various stages of the makeup, but. I'm fairly certain that, yeah, there was one of them that had a picture of the final creature. Mm. And so I, I, I wasn't really surprised when I sort of see it. I suppose I'm still surprised how it appears. And, mm. you know, but, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember all the, um, you know, the publicity leading up to it. It's like, oh, this is a David Cronenberg film. And, of course, you know, it, by now he had already made Videodrome. Mm. And it's like, oh. And, and they were playing up the fact that this is, going to be pretty graphic yeah. all this and uh, it's pretty horrific wasn't it that was the selling point for yeah. this film you know and, as, uh, as a movie um... come on no no after you Andrew um, what I was going to say is as a movie I sort of find it as a movie of two halves the first sort of portion is typical Cronenberg it's very kind of you know akin to his stuff he did on Videodrome um, towards the end of the movie when the monster starts kind of appearing it becomes a little bit more melodramatic a little bit more of a monster movie mm. it's almost like Fox sort of wanted Cronenberg to do it 
But I think if Cronenberg was left to his own devices, it would have been probably even more bizarre and horrific. Mm. I think they still needed to sort of rein him back in. Um, so say towards the ends, uh, you know, especially like in the sequence where the fly comes crashing through the window when she's gone to have the abortion, uh, and he comes smashing through the window, it become almost like a Phantom of the Opera type movie, even snatching. Yeah. And I just remember that even at the time at the cinema thinking, oh, it's, it's gone a little bit like just turned into a monster movie now. Yeah. Um, yeah, where where earlier saying. on he's talking about you know what is what I'm, you know what am I and theories and stuff and you know Goldblum's a very intense person, um, but yeah I think it was I don't know whether there ever was like changes made, you know or they told him to make know. changes or whatever I know there was yeah. sequences cut. I agree with you. I mean it, it's. For me, it's a film of two halves as well, and mm. I much prefer the first half. To me, I, I really like the film, but I, I like it before the transformation start. I, I love Jeff Goldblum in this. He's totally yeah. mesmerising, and the first half where, you know, he gets to know Gina Davis and, you know, their, their relationship, he's magnetic on screen. Yeah. His yeah. performance is, is wonderful. I, I kind of lose interest when it actually starts becoming a horror film. I, I, I like the initial uh, setup of it far more than, you know, uh, the progression yeah. and then the uh, ending of it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, mm. You know, the, the sequence is like when she says about him wearing the same clothes and he says, look in the wardrobe and then there's just all a rack of the same yeah. clothes in there and he says, I learned it from Albert Einstein, you know. Yeah, he's I... fascinating, you know, and, and you know, he, he he's he's wonderful. Um, yeah. I love Jeff Goldblum in this. And, you know, later on when we're in that midpoint between, you know, this this setup and, you know, uh, the horror, when he's talking about uh, insect politics and all that. I love all that, yeah, you know? Yeah. But then it becomes a quite, you know, by-the-book monster film towards the end, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It de- definitely does sort of have that just normal monster movie ending. And I think, you know, um, it might say it been a pressure from the studio to, to give the audience something a bit more mainstream. It's like probably one of his more mainstream movies. Mm. Um, but I see, you know, had it been probably like a low-budget movie and he'd just been making it himself, because, I mean, this was like a, what, uh, I don't know whether it was like 10 or 12 million budget or something uh, at the time. So I suppose that was kind of a lot of money for this type of movie. Mm. Definitely wanted to see a return on it. Um, and I don't know if they would have got a return on it had it just been left to Cronenberg to do what he wanted. I know it, it did well. I, I, oh, I yeah, remember the yeah. cinema I was working in. It, it certainly did well. A lot of people came along, and this is one of the films... I, I used to I used to watch the very beginning mm. when he first meets Gina Davis and when he's being charming and, you know, his um, eccentric yeah. uh, character. And then I would go away, and then I'd come back for the special effects at the very end. So it wasn't until it came out on video and DVD that I, I, I would watch that middle bit uh, yeah. more, you know? The thing that always gets me about Cronenberg movies is you've got characters like the uh, the John Getz character, Stathis Borens. Yes. And it's uh, it's it's very much like, you know, his he's got like Barry Convex in um Videodrome. He always has characters with really bizarre names. Yeah. You know, uh I don't know what it is about Cronenberg. He just seems to come up with these really, really wacky names. <laughs> but they kind of work in Cronenberg movies. 
Yes. Um, but if you had like an average movie and there was a character called Stathis Borans, you'd be thinking, who, who, who the hell named him that? How many other people like that do you know? Yeah. 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 Well, our sequence, you know, we're at the end of the film. We've gone past all this wonderful stuff, and we're in we're in Monsterland completely. Um, and it's the final version mm. um, of uh, Jeff Goldblum because, of course, he's gone through uh, quite a load of icky transformations. Yeah, we've had many yeah. scenes, you know, where he's pulling his teeth out and fingernails out and stuff like that. And uh, by the time we reach him in this sequence, you know, he's barely human at this point. Yeah. And uh, he 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 wants um, to him and uh, Gina Davis. He wants them to go through and her baby to go through the teleport, so they'll all be fused together um, into yeah. one. No. We'll be the ultimate family. A family of three joined together in one body. More human than I am alone. No! 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 And, you know, he starts dragging her off and, and she struggles and pushes his lower jaw off. And here we go. We're into uh, special effects. Yeah, she kind of grab, grabs him by the jaw, does or the bottom of the mouth, and yeah, yeah. It just kind of comes away, doesn't it? And it drops off, and it falls on the floor, still chattering, which is a bit of a Looney Tunes moment that your bottom yeah. jaw can still be moving like that. And this is the bit I don't like in this uh, scene: is um, the reaction shot from the puppet head that has now been substituted because. It's it's moving backwards and forwards, and it's not at all convincing. And I think it's the same thing that we've mentioned a few times on this show. It's the eyes. It's the way yeah. the eyes look, and it's the way the eyes are moving. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, Chris Wallace is certainly, a, a, you know, a good makeup artist, but I think if this had been Rob Bottin or Robertine, um, you know, and the same sort of thing as he was doing on The Thing, it probably would have been more convincing mm. um, in some respects. Um, there's just thing about that head, isn't there? You know, it's it, yeah, it, it's, it's quite obviously a puppet at this point. Um, it looks like a puppet, doesn't it? That's the yeah. problem. We've but it's just kind seen of what it's Jeff Goldblum, and yeah. now we've got a puppet. It's walking backwards, sort of dragging her, and as it's kind of walking backwards, like more bits are dropping off, like the skin's sort of shedding off, isn't and it? And there's huge chunks. Um, and then you sort of see the legs. <laughs> yeah. And, the legs and that, kind of become bipedal. They become bipedal. You get some sort of spikes coming out. And that's when the head splits down the middle. Yeah. Uh, with these great gobbets of flesh dripping off. And to reveal Blunde- Brundlefly underneath. I love Brundlefly. I love the look of Brundlefly. Yeah. he He's kind of like... Brundlefly is a bit weird. Uh, if you look at the, the fly creature that's in the second film, the, the one in the second film that... Uh, was designed as like a little bit more kind of symmetrical. Mm. Brundlefly is kind of asymmetrical. Mm. He's a little bit all over the place, isn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, he's not a perfectly symmetrical creature. One high, eye seems slightly higher than the other, and he's, he's a, a nightmare out... creature. Yeah, he's yeah, a bit he... out of proportion, isn't he? Yeah. In the fifty-eight version, that's like a perfect fly head. In yeah. This, yeah. this is an amalgam, isn't it? You know, it, things have gone wrong. This is a mixture of human and fly, and everything's got 
you know mixed up yeah. and and you've got this instead i i think it's a wonderful design i really yeah. do and he's kind of sort of i suppose he's got the fly type eyes he's got the proboscis and then he's just got these kind of random sort of quite sort of few and far between kind of hairs like spike things hasn't yeah. he sticking out i suppose they're meant i to love fly, the hairs like, they're far yeah. far too thick yeah i mean yeah. earlier in the film you know um he's got them on his back hasn't he yeah you yeah know? they look kind and of like paintbrush hairs don't they, they kind are of like broomstick uh yeah you know garden broom hairs you know they're terrific but yeah. no he, he he looks great um i had a garage kit of uh brundlefly and and it was brilliant i really wish i hadn't sold it you know that was a terrific model yeah um, i think yeah. i've got the mcfarlane toys one of him um oh of course there was a toy still. one wasn't there yeah, yeah. and it yeah. in it, it it always kind of bugs me when mcfarlane does uh-huh, these type good. of toys you, brundlefly oh uh-huh, yeah <laughs> because uh he kind of gives you points of articulation, but really they're only meant to be in one position to look at the <laughs> at the best. So you think no one's going to play with it as a toy, no. You know, so it's kind of always been a case of I always kind of thought, well, I might as well just super glue those joints and fill them, and then just paint them and just have it as a statue. Um, this is what I don't understand about modern action figures. They make a big deal about so many points of articulation, but who articulates them? Who, who yeah. actually uses their their toy figures to play games and stuff? Why yeah. why do you need so many points of articulation? Yeah, well, say so with the Brundlefly, obviously the arm is kind of in a certain position because of the way the the figure is meant to be posed. But then, as soon as you move it out of that position, then it looks wrong because yeah. the way it's been sculpted. Yeah. It's like it's been sculpted, then chopped up into segments and I given think articulation. That's exactly what they did. Yeah. I think that's exactly but, what uh, they did. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll have to dig mine out and do that, and I'll have to super glue it shut and then just fill the joints in with some milliput and there you go. There's a project for you. There's yeah. a project for you. I think you, I think you get like a bit of flooring with it, with the cables, you know, like the kind of black cables running through. Right, right. Um, Right. Yeah. Exactly. Actually, yeah. one of the things that he always uh, got me about this sequence was the fact that, uh, well, I suppose the whole setup of Goldblum in his laboratory was he's just in this kind of uh, loft space, isn't he? Almost like a yes. derelict building. Yeah. That he's kind of taken over, um, and you know, he okay, he kind of decides he's going to transport himself, so he goes into this pod nude, but he's just been walking around in his bare feet on a mucky floor. Yeah. So you think surely he's just picking up every single bit of germ and every yeah. bit of dirt, and that will be merged with him as yeah, well. Yeah, it, it's not, it's not like he's in some kind of clinical environment where he's been sort of like Andromeda strain sterilized before he's gone through the machine. Yeah, he could have st- stood on a flea or something, and he'd have some part flea as well. Well, yeah, a bit a bit of grit and a bit of dust and you yeah. know um, uh, mice droppings or anything that's kind of underfoot. It's some not popcorn. like the most clinical yeah. environment, certainly. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. he's he's uh, he's just pretty much, yeah, he could be merged with numerous bits of bits and pieces because I say it's certainly not a sterile environment. Uh, definitely uh, not. No. All right. Well, Gina Davis, she gets thrown into the pod, and that's yeah. when we get the the, the full length puppet Brundlefly, mm. which looks terrific as well. Yeah, and uh, gets into the pod, and um, that's when we're going to get the old fusion going on. But no. Um, Old chummy, what's his name? Uh, guy with uh, the odd name. Yeah, uh, Stathis. Uh, John Stathis, Getz, isn't it? That's yeah, the one. Stathis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's already yeah, he had his shoots... hand and foot melted at this point. Yes, yeah, we've gone past Hasn't that he? icky stage. Yes, yeah. He shoots the ta- the cable 
uh, which yeah. links the so, two. So, so he's kind of laid on the floor and he's kind of got his foot dissolved, his hands dissolved, but there's the shotgun. Yeah, how can he still be awake? He's just had his hand dissolved. How can you be yeah. conscious? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the cable uh, is broken and Brundlefly tries to escape. And uh, just as it gets out, uh, part of uh, part of the pod and it uh, teleports, don't we? Yeah, it's, it's it's like the door's locked itself from the outside, so the only way Brundlefly can get out is to physically smash through the glass and yes. reach out to unlock the door. So then as the door starts to unlock, he steps out, but yeah, then it teleports and literally drags him back in and just takes a huge section of the pod him, with it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and the pod. And yeah, the computer at that point says, you know, fusion of Brundlefly and pod yeah, um, yeah. is complete, and out it falls. Um you know, this merging of uh, machinery and Brundlefly. Yeah. This whole uh, mix of flesh and metal. Yes. Mm. And Yeah, it's uh, kind of a little bit biomechanical, isn't it? It's kind it of is. Ca- it's a bit ca- Giga at this point, yeah, the, isn't it? Yeah, there's cables coming out of it, and there's like the... It looks like he's got like a bit of the pod on its back, kind of like a... You know, one of the rib, it, rib sections that rib there section. sticking out of his yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it sort of like crawls across to to old Gina Davis there, who's got the shotgun shotgun mm. by this point, and it lifts um, the gun, the yeah, barrel of the gun, up to its head yeah. because you know you know kill me, and she says I can't. Why yeah. can't she? Come on, put him out of his misery yeah. after everything you've seen, everything you know. Yeah, you know, it's the kindest thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and then she then she sort of like steps back a bit, and then. Decides she can. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and she does, and boom, and slow motion explosion of his uh, head blowing up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's that. That's that's this sequence over. That's how this one dies. No, no, no death by spider in a cobweb. No. Uh, in this one. All right. No. So right behind the scenes on this one. Um, did you know Michael Keaton was up for the role of Seth Brundle? Oh, right. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was up for it, but he declined it. I'm glad he didn't do it. I mean, this is a, a Jeff Goldblum role. I can't I can't think of anybody else. He's brilliant in this. Mm. Um, the first name mentioned when the credits start is uh, Chris Wallace, isn't it? Um, it says Chris Wallace, Inc. as creator yeah. and designer of The Fly. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, the following year, he got the Oscar for it, didn't he, for best makeup? Yeah, because this um, Pasali as well, you know, like a lot of people seem to forget that this was produced by Mel Brooks. That's my thing. You know, that's my the, next thing on my notes. Yes, it yeah, was. This was a, by this Mel was Brooks. a Brooks film. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, people just assumed he did comedy, but he did Elephant Man and he did this. Yeah. Um, yeah, he kept it quiet. Apparently, he didn't want people to know that he was the producer because people wouldn't take it seriously. They would think it's some sort of, like, you know, young Frankenstein version of a uh, of, of a you know fifties yeah. science fiction horror film. You know, <coughs> um, David Cronenberg. Uh, um, he he announced he wanted a um, Jeff Goldblum in the role, but there was some opposition. Um, 20th Century Fox felt that he's he wasn't bankable. People didn't know him enough, and uh, it says also that Chris Wallace he felt that Jeff's face would be difficult to work with. 
right. the makeup effects. I can't see that. Somebody like him, just because somebody's face, that uh, the makeup won't work properly, I can't see that. Mm. That sounds a bit dubious. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, I know that the original screenplay for this was a guy called Charles Edward Pogue, and I think Cronenberg liked the screenplay, but again, he adapted a lot of it to his own sort of body horror sort of mentality, video drum stuff. So I don't know how much of the original uh, Pogue script's kind of still in there. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm sure, like you said, all of these kind of weird names like Seth Brundle and stuff are typical Cronenberg. Yes. I'm yeah. sure that wasn't the original name of this character, really being called Frank or something <laughs> originally. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else have I got? Oh, yeah, uh, Chris Wallace, he asked Jeff Goldblum if during acting he could have some sort of physical characteristic um, that he could easily transfer over to the puppet. And that's when uh, Jeff um, came up with the idea of those twitches that he does. Yeah. Because yeah. then they could copy that on the puppet. Right. Yeah. I know um, there was the various deleted sequences, including the effects. Like, there was a monkey cat sequence, wasn't there? Where the I think, monkey cat, yes. I think, yeah. I think, doesn't he try to sort of merge the two together and then plan to sort of try and separate them just to see if it's mm. possible to do so? Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. it's one of the things he sort of does, and I think it it was certainly filmed. Um, it I was think filmed, but it was deleted. Yeah. yeah, there's photographs in the Cinefix, I think, of them sort of fighting the monkey cat. I think, it, yeah. again, it was probably like a little bit too monster movie, you know, in being attacked by this kind of hybrid creature. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the Jeff Goldblum's, you know, descent into uh, Brundlefly actually took uh, seven stages. There were seven stages of transformation, okay? Right. And this this missing scene, the monkey cat scene, was stage 4B, okay? Yeah. Um, because you've got the first two stages, I mean, that's when they gave him some uh, skin discoloration, you know, some rashes and uh, with tiny fly hairs on his face. Yeah. Uh, stages 3 and 4A, um, that's when they're starting to use proper prosthetics um, and with some bald spots and prosthetic teeth. Okay. Yeah. Now, 4B, which is the stage we never saw because we never saw the monkey cat thing in the film, and uh, that was a full-body foam latex suit. Okay? Right. Um, stage 5 is the second version of the full-body suit, Um with more exaggerated deformities, um, which is the one just before you know he turns. Yeah, into he's Brundle got he's Clay. got contact contact lenses in by this he point, has, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's done. They've done that to make one eye look larger than the other. To again, you know, uh, continuity with what you're just about to see in stage six, which is yeah. the Brundlefly creature, which yeah. on set was called the Space Bug. All right, they called it the Space Bug. Yeah, um, stage seven was the puppet. Uh, of the Brundlefly telepod mixed one. And that yeah. was called the Brundle Booth or the Brundle Thing. Right. Um, on set, okay. Yes. Um, I'll put photos on Facebook, but um, I've got this brilliant book called uh, It Came From Bob's Basement, which is a brilliant book which I really do recommend. Uh, it's a book by Bob Burns, you know, the well-known, you know, yeah. uh, science fiction genre uh, collector and uh, an awful lot of the puppets and the makeup pieces from the fly and fly two are in Bob Burns's collection and they're in that book. 
So I'll, I'll I'll put some photos from that up on the Facebook page. Right. The um, the pod itself is a very unique design, isn't it? So it's a, it's a it, it kind of looks a bit like kind of like a part of a motorbike engine. Or hey, it is. Um, it is apparently it's based on David Cronenberg's. Is it? Yeah, whatever that. I'm not a motorbike person, but whatever those things are on a motorbike engine. Yeah, yeah he he had a classic old style motorbike, and they are totally based on them. So well done, Andrew, for spotting that. All oh, right, because I've actually had kind of like you know uh, Tamiya kits of motorbikes and stuff in the past, and you know those bits with the ridges think, oh yeah, it looks a bit like the pods. Yeah, so that's the actually... nearest I've ever got to a motorbike, is making, yeah, yeah, the Tamiya one with those horrible chrome pieces where you have to scra- scrape the chrome off to make it glue, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, so it was actually, it, it was what, genuinely based on like the yeah. actual shape of yeah. one, or was it yeah. just inspired by? I'll put a link to it on Facebook, but yeah, I, right. can, I okay. didn't put it in my show notes, but yes, the, the, the pods are based on his, you know, uh, beloved motorbike that he had. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, my final bit of info I've got is that Vincent Price went to see this version. All right, okay. Okay. He went to see it. He had already had a correspondence with Jeff Goldblum um, before the film was made, you know, because I think Jeff was just saying, look, we're remaking your film, Blower. And it was a courtesy thing. Yeah. And apparently he wrote back to Jeff Goldblum to say that he, I have seen it. And the quote is, it was wonderful right up to a certain point. It went a little too far. And I th- can you imagine what Vincent Price <laughs> made of the gore fest at the end of this film? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I do recall, and I can't remember where I read this, that Rennie Harlan, he was married to Gina Davis, wasn't he? I don't think he still is, but he was married to Gina Davis. And mm. I think there was talk of... A bit like they're doing now with films like Halloween and Robocop, where they're saying, well, let's do like a proper sequel. I'm sure there was meant to be an alternative version of a sequel. You know, the, the what, Overrides one. the Fly 2? A, a direct sequel yeah, to supposedly, um Yeah, because Gina Davis, um, at the beginning of the Fly 2, you see her giving birth, but they didn't use Gina Davis. It's another actress. Mm. Um, it's just kind of like a very brief sequence, and she didn't want to come back. So it was almost like years down the line. Um, All right. Harlan and uh, Davis, when they were married, must have said, well, let's do another one. And probably would have been like, you know, probably still the same sort of thing of her giving birth. Um, But, you know, she would have been like the main actress in it. Because in the... um, It's uh, Eric Stoltz and it's Daphne Zaniga in the... um, in the flight too, so he he kind of ages quite quickly. He starts off as a like a you know just as a, a baby. Then he's been no time. He's a toddler, and then he's like a fully grown sort of adult. Uh, well, in his teens, um, so he grows very quickly. Um, but it, you know, the, I, I do read the second one. I think you know the creature effects are really good. But it's it's much more of a monster movie. The second one, mm. um, it hasn't got the kind of the Cronenberg thing, it's just an all-out kind of monsters. Um, you know, uh, Stathis appears again, they do go and see Stathis at one point, you know, and he sort of says, oh, you know, you bear resemblance to your father, because at this point he's starting to change. Right. Because it's kind of like he, he's 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 born he's born as a baby in human, but then he starts to sort of mutate. Um, you know, and they kind of know that this is going to happen, but... Mm. Yeah, there's there's lots of good sequences, lots of good special effects, and you know it's a shame that 
I think Wallace only did that movie and possibly I think a film called The Vagrant as a director mm-hmm. and didn't do any more. Uh, I think The Vagrant okay. had Bill Paxton in it, but you think, yeah, it wasn't a bad movie. Yeah, I, uh, I know a lot, I know a lot of people like it. And there's one sequence in particular, I won't say what it is, but a lot of people, when you mention it, go, oh, that bit was, I uh, really, really was upset by that bit. There's one like upsetting sequence in it uh, right. that a lot of people always mention. If I ever put post on Instagram for the Fly 2, I can guarantee several people will mention like this sequence because you know, as in not like upsetting, as in it was uh, you know horrific and disturbing. It was more like the sympathy of it, right? You know, it, it was. I have to track it down now. You're you're getting me interested. Yeah, but it, you know, it, you can probably pick it up on DVD for next to nothing these days. It'd be a couple of quid if that. Well, yeah, any DVDs cheap these yeah. days. But you know, right. if you just if you just go in to sort of imagine that this is kind of just like a a monster movie as opposed to anything highbrow. Mm. Um, I don't quite like that turn of sort of like shutting off your brain sort of thing because I think you know no film should be dumb enough to just shut your brain no, off. No. Um, but you know it, it, Wallace did not a bad follow up. Um, you know, I, supp- I suppose like the way you could look at it is, like you said, Poltergeist Two, where you could look at it a bit like kind of what Evil Dead Two is to Evil Dead. It's right. it, it's it's a more like light-hearted hmm. romp. Uh, you oh, know, but, I have uh, to give it a go. I have to give yeah. it a go. But I'm stay surprised with you this haven't one. seen it. Go on. No, no, no. I just I never got round to it. But uh, yeah. with this one, Andrew, what what would you rate for this? And again, like the last one, it is just this sequence. Uh, it is a good sequence, uh, even though, like I said, at this point of the movie, it has kind of become a monster movie, but I'd probably give this something like an eight and a half. Okay. Uh, I, I do like it as a sequence. It just doesn't seem to fit the rest of the context of the movie in a way, but it's not like it is a bad sequence. Mm. Um, and, you know, it is very memorable. Um it's, you know, it's funny, you've gone a half above me again. Again, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I gave it an 8. So yeah. that gives it an 8.25. Right. right. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, yeah it's, it's exactly three points higher than the original. Yeah, it's one of those movies I've kind of got. I've never bought it on Blu-ray, but I've got it on DVD. But I wouldn't like to say, probably besides obviously watching this sequence for this review, the last time I even bothered putting that DVD in. But I suppose if it was just on Channel 4 Movies one night and I'm skipping channels, I'd probably end up just watching it. If it was the beginning of the film, I'd watch it. I would definitely would watch it. If it, if it's like the Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis uh, scenes, uh, you know, it's like watching The Godfather. I, I can just watch that and, and just revel in the performances, you know? Yeah. Um, not so much if it was towards the end when we're in... And it's strange, seeing as this is a special effects show... Um, if I if I if I come across this on the channels and it's like he is in transformation mode, I might carry on and try and find something else. Um, but uh, that just shows you how strong the beginning of the film is, you know. Yeah, the cine effects on this is very good cine effects, if I recall. It's mm. a long time since I've looked at it, but um, you know, it is a very good article that uh, about the movie. And obviously, uh, you know, one of the sequences again, a lot of people remember is the whole setup where uh, Jeff's on the gimbal rig where she comes in and he's up on the ceiling and yes. he's, he's walking around and you know that's like the whole thing of every every single prop on the set's glued down while the set rotates like mm. you know um, but it's, yeah it's an amazing sort of set you know amazing sequence that um, you know people do seem to remember that mm. scene very mm. well 
Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Okay. I, well, I, that's I, our... I was going to say one one other thing about you said about the puppet headers. I just skip in slightly before the sequence. It's the sequence where he actually vomits on Stathis's hand. Yeah. And that's quite obviously a dummy head because you see like all the kind of gloop come out, like this kind yes. of like white fluid. And I remember the eyes on that didn't look too good either. Do you know what that white fluid is? Is it just like yogurt or something? Or? No, apparently it's honey, eggs and milk. All right, okay. Yes, yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess it's got to be but, made uh, from things yeah, like I that. Mean, because you know, I mean... After you, uh, Andrew? I was going to say if you if you in the future you know we could talk about the the, the second one if you get round to watching it yeah and stuff yeah and all right continue okay. on and maybe we we could both uh, watch the the other two of the uh, the original well, that's fly that's a good idea we'll do well. another double bill but with the fly yeah. two and maybe return of the fly yeah yeah I'll yeah. have to have a look all at right. those okay well okay. I need to I need to talk to you in a minute about your next assignment which is something radically different for this show. Um, All right. but I'll, I'll is, it, you... is it a rom-com? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll talk to you in a minute. So I'll say goodbye n- yeah. now to you, Andrew. Goodbye, Andrew. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye, everybody, and see you next time. <laughs>